Today we take a look at a trio of stories all involving myself. I'm not egotistical. These are actually interesting stories. First off, what happens when I come face to face with a victim of a notorious true crime case? Two weeks ago I was house-sitting for a friend. I thought I was just going to have a fun time wrestling with her cat. Instead I saw the shadow people. And then while I was house-sitting, something came to my house to pay a visit. Something from out of this world. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys had an awesome weekend. We got a ton of stuff to cover, so we're going to get started right away. First off, let's give a shout out to today's supporter, Cameron. Everyone give a round of applause to Cameron. He is driving a tank into Dead Rabbit Command. He's running over a bunch of stuff. Move out of the way. Tanks coming. Cameron actually made a very generous donation during a recent live stream. So, Cameron, today you're going to be our captain, our pilot. We're not taking the tank. We should have a tank, though. But we'll figure that out. We're not taking your tank, but you can park it here. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon or can't make a donation during the live stream, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. We also have a merch store. I always forget that. Merch store in the show notes. So everyone, let's take a walk through Dead Rabbit Command. We're all wearing our uh, Dead Rabbit uniforms. <laughs> it's just pajamas. It's, we're very casual here. We're wearing really cool pajamas. And before we go anywhere, the stories I'm going to talk about, I talked about during a live stream I did recently, the one that Cameron donated on so generously. But if you watch that live stream, this episode's going to have more information. This isn't a repeat. I'm not replaying the, the audio from that episode or anything. It's not a clip show. Even if you did hear the live stream this episode, I implore you guys to stick around because there's a ton of new information involving all the stories. I talked about two of them on the live stream. We're going to go into more detail now. And then the ending is definitely something that wasn't on the live stream. So, Cameron, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. I want you to hit that back in time button. We are traveling back in time to the early 2000s. We're specifically going to one of my favorite places in the world. Cameron, make a left here. We're now in Orangevale, California. So, the Jason Jalopy is pulling into Orangevale, California, a suburb of Sacramento, California. I spent a lot of my life there. Some of my happiest memories are there. Not all of them. I'm having happy memories here as well. But Orangevale, California is dope. If you, if you can stand all of the meth and the hardcore white supremacists openly, just walk, just walking around, just walking around a super bizarre, super bizarre little suburb, you're just like, what? Did I just see that? Well, I remember once I was driving on the road and a gang fight broke out between two rival groups of white supremacists. It blocked traffic and people were like honking their horns. And uh, then the fight just kind of ended and everyone just got in their cars and drove away. It wasn't spectacular. Like, I remember being like, oh, come on, man. I'm trying to get to my grandma's house. These guys are picking each other up and throwing each other into the concrete. And then they all got in their cars and drove away and then... Everyone just went about their business. People went to Jack in the Box. That's Orangevale for you. You watch a gang war, two white supremacist gangs beat the crap out of each other at three in the afternoon. And then you're like, can I get a grande frappuccino, please? But we're in this area. We're in this area, okay? But it is a really nice area, other than that stuff. Other than the white supremacist gangs and the meth. It's great. It's totally great. You should live there. 
word there. It's the early 2000s. I was staying with my grandma. My grandma, I miss her dearly. She's an amazing woman. My great-grandma, my grandpa, and all that. Really, really awesome family. I would visit my grandma all the time. Some, I used to live with her, and then even when I got my own place, I'd be over there all the time. Free food, man. Free food, dude. Chili and spaghetti and all sorts of stuff. But anyways, I remember once I was there, and I was spending the night. And I'm sitting there on the couch, and my uncle's there, my grandma, because my uncle did live there. My grandma's there. My grandpa's there. It was always a really crowded house. And it was probably like 8 o'clock at night. I'm trying to remember the specifics. I remember it being nighttime, and this guy comes over super drunk. Now, again, not like Rodney Dangerfield, lampshade on head, drunk, not wild, (laughs) crazy guy drunk, depressingly alcoholic drunk. And I'm thinking, uh, this guy drove here. (laughs) This guy drove here. Because he's just like, hey, what's up? Again, that makes him sound funny. Hey! No, he he was one of the drunkest people I'd ever seen in my life. And I remember sitting on, I don't like being around drunk people. Or really, I don't like being around, uh, it's different like when you're kind of at a party and people are buzzed. But I don't like being around drunk people. I don't like being around uh, people who are high because they're just too unpredictable. Like someone who's stoned, sure, I can deal with that and I can deal with someone with a buzz. But once they start getting into the mind altering, like they're super ripping stoned or they're drunk, you just can't predict what they're going to do. And so I'm always on edge around these people. Because you could say the wrong thing, right? They're going to snap. And I've had that happen. So I'm super nervous. This dude that I don't know comes over to my grandma's house. And my uncle's like, hey, hey, what's up, man? And my uncle, I mean, that's a whole different story as well. That's a whole different story as well. So the fact that he knew this dude wasn't helping, wasn't helping me relax. My grandma's like, oh, hi, whatever his name was, Jerry. I actually looked his name up, but I don't want to give it. Um, it's in court documents, but my grandma's like, hey, Jerry, how you doing? I haven't seen you in a while. And he's like, uh, uh, like an unintelligibly drunk. He was barely able to stay. Again, he drove here and he was like swaying back and forth in the living room. And I'm sitting on the couch and I'm like, oh, dude, I'm going to have to beat this drunk dude up because I'm going to like move my left arm. And he's like, no one moves their left arm when I'm around because he's that drunk. And I was like. Super ready to let just fight this guy. My grandma's talking to him, and he's like, "Hey, Ida, how you doing?" Uh, and she think I think she made him some food because that's what grandmas do. The grandmas have unlimited food to give to people. My uncle's talking to him for a bit, and I'm just super stressed out, dude. Just leave. Like, sure, sure, you're drinking and driving, but just go. Like, I just remembered. Basically, I was sitting like Liam Neeson the whole time, which he sits like a normal person, especially the actor Liam Neeson. I'm sure he drinks orange juice all the time. I was just, I was a coiled spring. But after, I mean, after an ungodly amount of time, I'm surprised I didn't get an ulcer. It had to have been a couple hours, I think. He ends up leaving, and I was like, oh, finally I can relax, and I can drink orange juice, just like Liam Neeson, glug, glug, glug. I go, what What was that, dude? That was the drunkest human being I've ever seen. He was 50% alcohol, and he drove away. You guys let him drive away. And I think he was a little bit so more sober at that point, but again, I wasn't really... I was looking for things I could use as a weapon, which at my grandma's house was literally everything. Everything was either sharp or heavy. And she goes, oh, Jason... Oh, oh, Jason. Yeah, he does have a drinking problem. He's a serious alcoholic. His uh, marriage is in the shambles. But he has a good reason to drink. He has a good, good reason to drink. And I was like, what? 
what's a what's a good reason to be that drunk? And she goes, he was there when Michelle Montoya died. So let's go back a little bit farther in time. The year is 1997. It's May 16th, 1997 to be exact. And we're standing outside Rio Linda High School, which is another suburb of Sacramento. It's probably 10 miles west or north or south or east, one of those. It's actually west of Orangevale, because I remember always claiming I was east side. But Rio Linda, it's a real hick area. It's a literal one-stoplight town. They might have more infrastructure now, but back when I was, that was in my stomping grounds, they had the one-stoplight. It's funny for for someone from Orangeville to be making fun of Rio Linda. They're just like shaking their heads, shaking. They, they had a huge math problem as well, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> I really can't cast stones. But anyways, Rio Linda, it's this real rural community. Rio Linda High School. It's May sixteenth, nineteen ninety seven. There is a senior. Her name is Michelle Montoya. She's eighteen years old. And her teacher says, hey, can you stay after school? I want to have a meeting, a school meeting with you. Now, this meeting was supposed to take place at 2.30. It got delayed to 2.50. Michelle Montoya is just hanging out. So she need, after the meeting, she needs to make a phone call to call her guardian to pick her up. And the teacher says, hey, you can use my phone. She had a cell phone, but cell phones weren't in wide use back then. And they cost money, they cost per minute. Michelle's like, no, 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 I'll find a phone. And the teacher thought that was odd. She figured Michelle would just go to the office and make a phone call there. There was a custodian named Alex Dale Thomas. He had just got hired on May 5th, 1997. He'd only been working there for three days. Now, back then, California had a stupid rule that a temporary or substitute employee of a school could be hired and start working before their background check cleared. So Alex Dale Thomas definitely needed to have a background check then. He had eight felonies before he got the job as this guy. And they were like attempted murder. I think one of them was aggravated manslaughter. He's not Liam Neeson. He was a member of a street gang. He was a member of the Crips. And he had, he was like the 107 Crips or something like that. And he had 107 tattooed on his forehead. He's not a huge fan of the radio station. He's a huge fan of engaging in gang activity. And to cover it, he just put makeup on his head. And went into the job interview and they're like, you seem like a great candidate. It says on your resume, you spilled a lot of blood. He's like, yes. And then I cleaned it up to not get caught. But he got caught anyway, so it didn't matter. There's two custodians working in the school as well. And I gave them the fake names of Joey and Kevin. I don't remember. What did I call the guy earlier? I don't remember what the fake name, but in my notes. So just to make things... Just to make things uh, logical, Kevin is the one I was talking about earlier, whatever that guy's name was. We'll just call him Kevin from here on out. So Kevin is the guy that I ran into at my grandma's house. So what happens is he's walking around the school. He hears a loud noise and Alex comes running out of a room and he's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, dude. Oh, and he's like rubbing his hands on the ground with paper towels. And Kevin and Joey are looking and be like, what? They're like, Alex, what's going on? He's wiping his forehead. He's like, man, it sure is hot in here. They see the gang tattoo. No, he stands up and he's like, oh, dude, dude, I'm so glad I found you guys. Do you know how to clean this room? And they're like, what? Why are we just all sweaty running around? Because you don't know how to clean this room. And Kevin goes, that's weird because he cleaned that room just the other day. So he knows how to clean it. It was like a shop room. 
He's like, fine, Alex, I'll show you. Alex and Kevin go into the room, and it's like this shop room. And Kevin's like, yeah, this is how you do this, Alex. You know, here's how you move all this stuff around and everything like that. Then Kevin goes, I'm going to go into this closet and get more supplies. And Alex goes, okay, you do that. I'm going to stand right here. And then Kevin, as he's coming back into the room, hears horrible screaming. It's like, what's going on? And Alex comes running out out of yet another room, all sweaty. (gasps) And he goes, Kevin, Kevin, you got to see this. You got to see this. And he basically grabs Kevin and pulls him into the woodshop room. You got to see this. You got to see this. And Kevin, even from a distance, can tell what he's looking at. It's the body of a young woman laying on a table. And Alex is basically pushing Kevin towards this body. You, what is this? What is, I just came and I just saw this. What's going on? What's going on? And Kevin is getting pushed closer and closer to this woman, and he's starting to see the extent of her injuries. Her throat is slit. She has stab wounds in her body. And as he gets closer to her, he realizes the full extent of her injuries. Now, I normally don't get gruesome on this show, but I'm going to, so you can skip ahead a minute or two if you want. She was hit so hard with a blunt object, which police later realized was a crowbar, that it shattered her skull. It smashed into her to the point that her brains came out of the other side. When the EMTs got there, they thought she had been shot in the head. That's how powerful this blunt object impacted into her. It wasn't just a little trickle of blood coming out. Someone goes bonk with a bat. She got hit so hard, her skull basically disintegrated and brains were coming out of the back of her head. And Kevin is watching this. And he's basically being held there by the... He doesn't really know this at this point, but the murderer of her is holding him there. The police are called. They come out very, very shortly. Alex just kind of becomes flippant. And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And he does get arrested. He gets charged with the rape and the murder of her. He said, listen, I didn't know who murdered her, but I didn't rape her. And then he goes, okay, I might have murdered her, but I still didn't rape her. Because that would mean the death penalty. Well, in the end, he did get the death penalty. He's currently sitting on death row to this day. And Kevin, Kevin's life fell apart after that. Like, from what... My grandmother told me, because she knew him as a kid. My uncle knew him. They were friends growing up. It ruined his life, seeing this. Now, you could go, Jason, I watch gory videos all the day. Trust me, it's not the same thing. And to make matters even more grim, she was still alive. She died on the way to the hospital. She was still alive when Kevin was pushed towards her. There was still a spark of life in her despite that massive injury. There's a difference when you see it in real life versus when you see it um, in in footage. I've seen a bunch of gory, uh, like, faces of death type stuff, and then I've seen people die in real life, like, right in front of me die, and it does affect you. I, I know probably if you're doing it all the time, like an EMT or a cop or a soldier, it's different, but for people who aren't those things, it's unsettling, to say the least. And I've never seen a murder, I've never seen a murder victim die. I've seen people die in car accidents. Like, you get there, you're watching them, you're trying to help them, and they die. I've had that happen to me a couple times. And I've lost count of how many just dead bodies I've seen. Because I used to work at a a crematory. And you get used to those. 
It's totally different seeing a dead body versus seeing somebody who's still alive die. But it ruined his life. He actually, after that, he developed a obviously serious drinking problem. Serious, serious drinking problem. His marriage has fallen apart. And that's really the last I ever heard of him. I think it's an interesting, it's a tragic story. But it's the story of all the effects that happen with true crime. You know, when we read about him in books, when we watch the news, it's always so sanitary. It's sanitary as true crime can get, where you always think, you know, the victim obviously has suffered. And then you think about the family members around them having to suffer, even the perpetrator's family member. Maybe the person was mentally ill and they wanted to get help for their son or their daughter and they didn't. And then they ended up doing something awful. But yeah, I never thought about those even side victims. That story went longer than I thought, but I think it's an interesting story. We're going to keep moving forward. We got to say goodbye to Orangevale, California. Wave goodbye to my grandma, my grandpa, my great-grandma. Waving at them. They're forced ghosts now, but they're still watching over us. Everyone give them a good wave. Cameron, I'm going to toss you the keys to the carpenter copter. We're leaving behind Orangevale, California. We are headed back home. Carpenter copter is flying up north. We're going to land at a little house in the middle of the town of Hood River. This happened... It's funny, I, I probably should have looked up the dates. It wouldn't be too hard. I actually... This happened, I believe, on the 15th or the 22nd, one of the two. It happened very recently, and I talked about it in the live stream. I was house-sitting for a friend. I went over there to stay there for a couple days to keep an eye on her cat and to beat him up. <laughs> to beat up cats. I love wrestling with cats, taking their little paws, being like, no, no, don't claw me. And the wrestling. And, you know, we had a good time. I had a good time hanging out with Jenny, little cat person. But the house is weird. The house is really weird. At one point, they had to do renovations in the house because the floor was falling apart. The floor was disintegrating. So they crawled under the house. And right underneath where the bedroom is, underneath the house, they found a cat skull and a wand. The cat skull is the cat skull, but you go, the wand, was it just like a stick? No, apparently it was like wrapped with leather. It was made to be a wand. It wasn't just like a cat walked in there with a branch and then died. And then every other bone disappeared except the skull. It was a cat skull and a wand were right underneath the bedroom. I hang out there a lot. And I remember at one point I turned to my friend. I was there really late one night and I turned to my friend and I go, have you ever saged this place? She goes, what? And I go, you need to sage this place. You need to sage it. I felt negativity there. Like, as much fun as I had with my friend hanging out there, I could feel a negative presence there. And she did sage it. And she said that she felt like something was fighting back. After she had saged it, she had woke up the next day, she had scratches on her back. But that was it. You're like, Jason, that's it? She got assaulted by this interdimensional creature? That was the end of it. Like, I went over there, I didn't feel negative, nothing anymore. But I'm house-sitting. I'm someone who leaves the lights on all the time because I'm scared of the dark because I've just seen too much stuff. When you meet people who are scared of the dark, they're either nine, <laughs> they're either nine years old, or they're people who have had pretty bizarre experiences and they know what's in the dark. Because there's stuff, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. There's stuff in the dark. There's stuff in the dark. Like, I sometimes I don't really hit that hard enough. But there's stuff in the dark. There's stuff in the light that's not too pleasant either. But there's definitely stuff in the dark. 
So I sleep with lights on it. And if I'm and I'm a nine year old boy, if I'm at a place that's not my home, I do sleep with a nightlight here as well. But I get a lot of moonlight, so I'm good most of the time. But if I had a, I'm at someone else's house, oh, you, I'll house it for you, but your electric bill is going to be much higher. Just have the lights on. First two days, it went fine. I'm laying there on the ground uh, doing research for the show. It was a nice research weekend. I just spent the whole weekend pulling up information. And I'm kind of, I'm laying on the ground. I have my laptop there, and I see, I feel something to the left of me. I keep feeling myself kind of get drawn to look towards the left. And there's like, a, it's a very open home plan. It's a very nice little home. It's a very open home plan. And I feel like I'm my eyes keep getting drawn to the left of me. Now, there is a cat. There is an open sliding glass door. At this point, it's probably like around 7 p.m. There's an open sliding glass door. And there is a drape kind of blowing in a slight wind. But there's maybe a good six or seven feet between the curtain and the sliding glass door and this bookshelf full of plates, full of these really nice plates and dollhouses and stuff like that. And I'm looking over, I keep, my attention keeps getting drawn over there, I don't see anything, and at one point I'm looking over there and I see a shadow move, a figure move, a shadow person. Now, it wasn't super distinct. It was like just simply movement, but it was tall. This bookshelf is probably around as tall as I am, so close to six feet. And I just see something move out. I see a shadow move out of the shadow. Now, I was not standing up. I was laying down. Jenny is not giant. There was nothing that could project her shadow that way. The drape couldn't make that motion. couldn't blow that much because I tried all that stuff on the live stream. Now, at the top of this bookshelf, there's this elephant. So it actually gives the... Because you know, normally a bookshelf just has a shadow, like a rectangular or kind of a diffused shadow. But because there's an elephant at the top of it and the way that the light was hitting it, it did make it have a unique form. There's this elephant at the top. I see the shadow move. And it catches my attention, obviously. Um, that's unusual. It's been years since I've seen a shadow person. Years. So now my attention's fully drawn to the corner of this house. And I know that I saw something. I know that I absolutely saw something. And I'm kind of looking. Now I'm laying and I'm looking to my left. And then maybe a couple feet from the shadow cabinet. Because at this point I'm thinking maybe I should do a live stream. Like this would be really interesting. I know this house has a history of it. The owner says she's never seen a ghost there. Like, she did, she did get scratched by a ghost, but she figured maybe there was just, like, negative energy. I'm looking over in the corner, and I'm thinking, should I live stream this? Like, this might be interesting. Also, I'm scared, and I want other people to talk to. I'm looking at the corner here, and I see closer to me, a couple feet from the wall where this shadow was, I see what could only be described as, from the knees down, a shadow child. I see... Two legs from the knees down. It was like a grayish shadow. Now, normally, the shadow people I've seen are pitch black. They're darker than reality. You can see them at night. It's very, very bizarre. You can see a shadow person in a pitch black room. They're darker than the absence of light. It's a very bizarre phenomenon. Now, I've seen them in fields. I've seen them in dark rooms. 
they're beyond black. Very, very bizarre phenomenon. This was a diffused gray. It was almost like a... You know what's funny now that I think about it? Didn't we cover recently a shadow person that was staticky? Did we do that? Did I cover that story? This seemed like it was a diffused shadow, like a shadow that wasn't fully formed. It matched the type of shadow that was being projected from the wall, but now we're feet away. We're near, We're now three or four feet away from the wall, in the middle of the room. This wasn't against the wall. This was. This was stand. It was a three D shadow, walking, not necessarily towards me, but in my direction. I see just the movement of two legs go doot doot. Dude, but I did the live stream. There was actually some confusion of when the live stream was actually aired because I wasn't really paying attention to it, but it's going to play a part in our next story. So I posted this on YouTube. When did the live stream go up? And I want to give a shout out to Free EXP, Cthulhu, and Alejandro News. They were able to actually figure out the time that the live stream was going on. A lot of people were giving helpful suggestions, but they're the ones who actually were able to nail down when the live stream was going on. So thank you so much for figuring that out. We did the live stream. Now, I asked her later, I texted her that night and said, by the way, your house is haunted, your electric bill is even going to be higher. And I talked to her when she came back and I go, did you get anything new recently? Did you get any? And I hadn't really told her much about what I'd seen because she's on vacation and I didn't really want to go over it on text. I go, did you guys get anything new in the house recently? And it's so funny because when I said that, I already knew the answer. I knew the, I just knew the answer. It was the elephant. And she goes, yeah, I got a couple of little elephant toys. For, and I was like, yep. That's exactly where I saw this figure coming from was the bookcase with the elephant on it. It was all seemed to be in that area. And I, I asked, I go, where did you get it from? And basically, she got it from a friend and the friend found these elephant toys. Are the toys themselves haunted? Are they some sort of conduit? Who knows? The first two nights I was there all by myself with Jenny and there was nothing weird at all. Staying up late, researching spooky stuff, nothing weird at all. It wasn't until that night where, it, again, it was like 7 p.m. It was around 7, 7.30 p.m. that this was going on and then I start the live stream. So you think that's the end of it? I thought it was the end of it. A nice little cool uh, live stream that we did in a possibly haunted house. But then I come back home. I'm house-sitting in my own house. And one night, I get a message from my neighbor, Erica. She texts me on the phone, and she goes, Hey, what's up? How are you doing? Like, hey, fine. She goes, Hey, did you hear that noise the other night? Was that you? I was like, what? No, I don't think so. I mean, what noise? And she sends me this audio clip that I'm about to play for you in a second. But this noise we figured out, because she go, I go, I wasn't even home that day. I was house-sitting across town. She told me this happened around 7.45. She said it happened four times. And that's why I needed to find out when the live stream was going on. While I was live streaming, this noise was happening at my place. So I'm going to play it for you. I'm going to play two different versions of it. The first version is the raw, completely unedited file. It's going to be hard to hear. So you might want to turn your headphones up and then I'll give you a warning. Uh, when we're going to play another version. But here's the original raw audio file from Erica.
Now, she's in her apartment, and I should say this, just last night I was doing a Patreon live stream. You can hear people walk through the place. You can just hear them. The, the floors are really thin, constantly falling through them. The walls are paper thin. It's a great place to live, but you can hear people walking around all the time. So she's hearing the sound move back and forth, but she's not hearing anyone walk. She goes, there was no movement except for this sound floating back and forth down the hallway. Now, you guys might want to turn your headphones down a bit because I'm going to play a version of it where I've actually compressed the audio, which actually expands it. It's weird. Audio is weird. And I've EQ'd it, and I've actually reduced some of the background noise. It's going to sound more metallic-y this time. The first version, it almost, I describe it, it sounds like what glitter would sound like. It's very, it sounds magical. It sounds magically delicious for your ears. Now I'm going to play a version where I've actually clipped out some of the audio and things like that. And made it clearer to actually hear the... Not the detail of the noise, but the noise itself. Turn your headphones down. This might be a little loud. Now, let's be skeptical about this for a second. It could be electronic inter interference. She had heard this multiple times. She heard it with her ears, so it's not like she was just picking it up on her iPhone, but it could be some sort of electronic interference. It's not someone walking around making the noise. It's not a human with a Geiger counter or anything like that, because you would hear them walking. Uh, we talked about this on my Patreon live stream last night because I previewed this audio clip for them. I said you could argue that it could have been a drone flying up and down the hallway that would account for no one w making footsteps. And while that would be a super funny prank, who would do that? But those are the skeptical answers. And then you have answers again, of course. Like I'm, It's so funny because when I started doing the live stream, I thought I am now announcing that I'm not home. So, I mean, you got to worry about that type of stuff too, right? Like spies, spies coming in. They know I'm Liam Neeson. They're trying to take all my orange juice. But obviously, that sounds alien. And last I checked, CIA agents do have body weight. They can make movement with their feet or DEA or NEA or PBS or whoever else wants to come after me. It sounds alien, especially the raw audio file. Again, I don't know how well the raw audio file that I'm going to play comes across. I'm going to try to at least boost the volume, but it just sounds so sprinkly, magically, electronically. When I did preview it for the Patreon listeners, Barfy Man said, it sounds like a conformer. And of course, once we started talking about the conformers, the live stream starts uh, disconnecting. It was a crazy night. We also couldn't figure out whether or not I took my heart medicine. We had 10 minutes of whether or not we had to review footage to see if I had taken my heart medicine. It was great. <laughs> if you're a Patreon supporter, you got to watch those live streams. The Conformers were a race of aliens. Some people say they're the only race of aliens. Every other alien is just made up. There's only one type of alien. It's the Conformer. It's a alien made out of silica. 
it's not a carbon-based life form and they and the way they talk it sounds like pebbles dropping in a bucket in a metal bucket now it doesn't sound so much like that but it does thanks for the nightmare by the way barfy man but it does definitely sound alien maybe magical maybe a fairy was flown up and down the hallway maybe spiritual but i thought it was very very interesting timing that while i was announcing i'm not at home and i'm having a paranormal event across town something comes to where i live and a paranormal event happens here were the aliens sneaking into my apartment when they're trying to pick my lock was a rock man trying to pick my lock they don't even have arms they're just like rocks i think they have like a tendril but was a rock floating up and down the hallway were gray aliens materializing was the shadow people a simple diversion to get me to go on live stream so the aliens could watch the live stream? I don't know. I don't know. Just a weird coincidence? The most likely suggestion, right? It was a weird coincidence. The shadow things were just trick of the light. My eyes were seeing things. This sparkly noise. Well, it wasn't an imagination. We have a recording of it, but maybe it's something normal. Who knows? But there's always that quote that any paranormal researcher, they constantly have to keep in the back of their head. I think it was Nietzsche who said it, but maybe it wasn't. I could look it up. It's not like I don't have the internet a foot away, but this episode's gone on long enough. I'm not even going to reach my arm. I'm going to spend more time talking about how I'm not going to look it up than it would take me for to look it up. If you stare into the abyss long enough, it stares back. When you look at the world of the paranormal long enough, eventually the world of the paranormal will look back at you. Now, I've been researching paranormal stuff for over 30 years, and I've had a lot of paranormal experiences in that time, but it's been a while. It's really been a while since I've seen a shadow person like that. And then to have recorded evidence of something else happening at my place while I'm across town announcing I'm not home. Have they stopped just looking back? Is it time that the paranormal world's decided to become more active in my life? Who knows? I guess we'll find out. But, I'll say this. If they're becoming more active in my life, by extension, they're becoming more active in your life. We're all looking into the abyss together. So keep an eye out. Keep that light on when you go to sleep tonight. Make sure the closet door is shut tight. When you get that feeling that something's behind you, maybe just throw a glance over your shoulder. Whether or not these things are figments of the imagination and technical glitches, or paranormal events, they're not made up. The stories are real. And as we continue to investigate the world of the paranormal, they're going to become even more real. They won't just be glimpses and faint whispers in a hallway. We may come face to face with the truth we were never ready to see. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>